are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I, uh, I read some numbers this week that uh, concern me a great deal, and here were the numbers. That around our church, in this part of the city, in this city, uh, about 37% of the people would not claim uh, to be part of a church home. So the people that live around us, about four out of ten, if you ask them, so what church are you a part of? They would say, well, we don't, we don't have a church. We don't, we don't go to church. I don't know about you, but that number seems a little high to me. Um, if you include the entire state, rural areas are a little different, and the number is just around closer to 30%. But in the city of Oklahoma City, the number is about 37% of people who would say, if you ask them, where's your church, what church do you guys go to, about 37% of the people, almost four out of ten would say, oh, we don't, we don't have a church, we don't go to church. And we've been talking over these last several months about making every effort, about going to any length, about doing whatever we can do, about being very intentional about connecting people with Jesus. And so as we move into Advent this coming Sunday, I'll be preaching a series called The Promise. And we're thinking about Advent a little bit differently this year. In fact, in two weeks, you'll be given a worship folder that will have a tear-off portion. And we'll ask you to write down the names of people that you're praying for. As you make every effort to connect people with Jesus. As you are intentional about sharing your faith with Jesus. And we think that we have some great opportunities for you to invite them to church. People are more willing to go to church with you on Christmas than maybe any other time of the year. And so Christmas Sunday is going to be one of those days where we say, the people you've been praying for, this is the opportunity. Try to connect them with Jesus. Bring them to church. And Christmas Eve, we are thinking very differently about. We will still have all the things that you love about Christmas Eve. The candle lighting at the end and being with family and all of those kinds of things. But we're going to have a service the night before Christmas Eve, for people who are traveling, asking you to be intentional about bringing people to church with you that night and on Christmas Eve, two services, changing the time slightly to make more room. We believe that we may be able to even double the attendance on Christmas Eve this year. So we'll be having a service at uh, 3.30 and at 5 o'clock. So what is that all about? We, we've been in Philippians now for eight weeks. And as we've worked our way through this book, there seems to be something that's very important in the mind of Paul. In fact, he refers to it as the important thing. And the important thing is that we share Jesus with people. The important thing is that we connect people with Christ. The important thing that he talks about is that we are intentional about sharing Jesus with others. But in the passage we're in today, here's what he says. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. There, I said it again. Rejoice. So what does it mean to rejoice? Well, if you just look it up in the dictionary, it would say to express joy. So you can't express joy if it's not there, right? I mean, that would be disingenuous. And so 
You express joy that's in your heart. And he's saying, celebrate, express the joy that's in your heart. And so the question that I have is, is that for me and you? Or is that to give praise to God? Or is that about someone else completely? Here's what I know. Through life experience, I've come to understand that people often find other people who are very joyful. And you know what they wonder? What is it that makes these people so joyful? People often wonder why people who are joyful are so joyful. I find myself, when I find very joyful people, wanting to be around them. I find myself wondering, what is it that makes them so joyful? I personally find joyful people much more attractive than people who aren't joyful. And so let's open the Word of God this morning to the book of Philippians. And let's go to chapter 4, okay? And let's start reading with verse 9. Philippians chapter 4. We'll begin reading with verse 9. Here we go. These are the words I told you that are here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I think it's the first clue when you realize that this whole idea of rejoicing is not just about me. And maybe it's not just about giving praise and thanks to God. Now we have in this picture these other people that are around us. And he gives a reason for it. The Lord is near. I think it's a way of saying the clock is ticking. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The key word today is going to be context, okay? Context is really important. And so if you read that verse again with the understanding that the context is that these are people who are being persecuted because of their faith, it kind of changes things. So I know that you're facing persecution, but don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. It's a military term. will stand guard over you and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, these are the things you should think about. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, Paul says. And the God of peace, I thought we read that at the end of the last paragraph, and the God of peace will be with you. This is God's Word for us today. Amen? Amen. That was a really, really, really weak amen. Amen. Just want you to know if there's more participation expected through the service, I will expect a little more from you. You know, I don't ever want to stand up on Sunday morning and come across as uh, some persona that has it all down. Or kind of preach from this position of uh, superiority. 
I'm living my life every day like you are. I'm trying to work out my salvation every day like you are. Not work for, but work it out, as Paul said. And so I'm just living life like you. That's why I brought some pictures today. Just just let you know my life a little bit. This was a really, really good day right here, this first picture. Um, it's, uh, it's a birthday week that happened for us last week. Morgan and Annette's birthdays are only three days apart. Morgan lives here in the city. We get to spend time with her. The only thing wrong with the picture is that I'm not looking in the direction of the camera. <laughs> but I love the picture because it just captures that week. It was an incredible week to celebrate life with my family. I'm so blessed. One of my favorite days in a long time is this next picture. I spent the entire day with this little girl. She's my granddaughter. And she carried that phone with her the entire day in her hand there. And uh, we were at an outlet mall and Annette and Brittany were shopping. And so that left me to take care of Sadie. And so I just chased her around that outlet mall for about two and a half hours. And if I just look back at one of my most favorite days ever, it's one of those days. People would say, aren't you cute? And I would say... Thank you. Did you notice my granddaughter, Sadie? (laughs) I just loved, just loved that day. It was just an awesome, awesome, awesome day. Just loved it. The next picture was a day not so much. That was more of a struggling kind of day. That's a root canal kind of day. Who wants a root canal kind of day? I don't want one, do you? Just take that picture off for a minute, would you? Let's just get rid of the pictures for a second. Yes. Not a good day. Not a good day. I think that's the way sometimes we think about life. And we think about being joyful people. I think we let it sometimes be heavily dependent on our circumstances. And so if I'm with my family and we're celebrating birth, that's a joyful day. Or if I'm with Sadie, that is a joyful day. Just a joyful day. I love days like that. But if I'm getting a root canal, that's not such a joyful day, is it? And sometimes I realize I don't have any problems. The next picture, I think, would communicate that very well. This is a picture of a week ago Friday night in Paris. And I think about what has happened there in these last few days. Friday night, there are 50 or 60 dead in this arena. There are 20 or 30 dead here. There are 18 or 19 dead here. There's another 20 dead over here. And it's just on and on and on. So if you want to talk about tough circumstances, the next picture is another. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I can't grasp it. These are Syrian refugees. And so I'm trying to think, what if me and Annette and Morgan and Brittany and little Sadie and I got her in my arms and Tim and my mother and my father who are in their 80s and my sister Darla and her family, and my sister Linda and her kids, and my brother Terry and his family. What if we're all walking together on foot, and the only things that we have is what we can carry in our arms and hands, and the further we walk, to realize we realize we can't carry as much as we thought we could when we started out, and we start letting go of things, and we're trying to get to some place of safety. You want to talk about circumstances that are dire. Those are dire circumstances right there. And thousands and thousands of people are on that walk today. The people that Paul is writing to understand that last picture really well. They know what it is to be persecuted because of their faith. 
And here's what Paul does in this passage. He says, let me talk to you, okay, just for a few minutes about how you live your life as a Christian when circumstances are not good. So let me talk to you about how you live your life as a Christian when things are not going like you hoped they would. Let me talk to you about how to live your life as a Christian when the wheels have fallen off in life. Okay, Paul, talk to us for a minute. And here's what he says. (laughs) Be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always, in every circumstance. I'll say it again, rejoice. In fact, in this little book of four chapters, he says it eight different times. And five other times he uses the word joy. And many people refer to the little book of Philippians as a book of joy, even in the midst of persecution. This is what he calls us to. Well, I think sometimes we get ourselves in a position of hearing challenges like this and we just say, okay, just tell me what to do. Uh, Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just, okay, just give me the instruction. I'll just, I I love that kind of thing. I love it when somebody just kind of, do this. Okay, I'll just do this. I don't have to think. I don't have to figure it out. I'll just do this. And so Paul says, Paul says, do this, okay, when it comes to being joyful, expressing your joy, rejoicing in the Lord, he says it has a lot to do with how you pray, it has a lot to do with how you think, and it has a lot to do with how you act, okay? So if you want to talk about being a person who is rejoicing in the Lord, celebrating your joy, okay, that kind of a life, all right, it has a lot to do with how you pray. And it has a lot to do with how you think, okay? And it has a lot to do with how you live your life. I'm just going to stop for a moment and tell you that I feel really uncomfortable at this point. It almost feels like self-help to me. Three quick, easy steps to live a joy-filled life and rejoice in Him. I don't know, I just struggle with that. Uh, I noticed uh, an ad on a large store Um, a place called The Loft. And here's what it says. Um, um, uh, Have life, have joy. And Taylor Loft. And it kind of communicates the idea that if you'll just come here and buy some new clothes, you can be joyful too. It's like just easy steps to live in this joy-filled life and, and, and being a person who rejoices in the Lord, just celebrating. I remember, I remember my mother used to used to say to me when I would call her maybe in college and mom I'm just going through kind of a hard time here or struggling and and I remember my mother would pray for me and before she would hang up she would say well take my checkbook do you remember those checkbooks and she would say take my checkbook and uh, you'd actually take one to the store and buy something with them in those days but she would say take my checkbook and go buy you a new shirt that'll make you feel better I remember one time I said mama a new shirt does not fix all of life's problems okay It's not that simple. And here's the other struggle I have with three steps to get you to joy, okay? The struggle that I have with is this, that according to the book of Galatians, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So if you have been born again, if you have been born of the Spirit, you have joy.
You know what I think the real question to ask is and what Paul actually answers? What is it that hinders my joy? What is it that robs me of joy in my life? Why aren't I a more joyful person and why don't I spend more of my life expressing my joy and celebrating the Lord? And Paul answers that question by saying it has a lot to do with how you pray, how you think, and how you live your life. So let's get started. You ready? Here we go. You got your Bibles open, right? So here's what he deals with. How do you pray? He says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So in the book of Matthew, there's an occasion where Jesus is instructing his disciples. And he says to them, do not worry about what you will say when they arrest you. They're going to arrest you because of the faith that you're proclaiming in Jesus. Now, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you're going to say. It's the same idea and the same word that is used here that is used in Philippians. Don't be anxious. In the midst of persecution, context is the key word today. You've got to remember what's going on in their lives. They are being persecuted because of their faith. And Jesus says, don't you worry when you're being persecuted. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, even in the midst of your persecution, okay? Don't worry. Don't be concerned. Don't be upset. But what you should do, the alternative is that you pray in every situation. Pray about everything. So you say, Rick, what do you mean pray about everything? I think the way that you translate this in today's world is that you pray about ISIS. And you pray about sharing your faith. And you pray about money. And you pray about your kids. And you pray about sickness. And you pray about your work. And you pray about relationships. And you pray about everything. Every situation you pray. Instead of being anxious, you turn to God in prayer. And, and he says this, and you do it with thanksgiving. In every situation, you pray with thanksgiving. It's not only an act of gratitude, but it's saying, God, my whole life is in your hands. And I've got a feeling there's somebody looking at me right now saying, Rick, I don't. You don't what? I don't do that. You don't do what? I don't pray about everything. I worry about most things. But I don't pray. I don't pray much. I don't pray often. I don't pray a lot. Many days go by, I don't pray. Maybe mumble something before a meal that I've memorized. But I don't pray. I don't pray much. I don't pray about many things. I don't pray. My life is not a life of prayer. I tend to worry about things, but I don't pray. Well, no wonder you're not joy-filled. you got to pray. But what would I pray about? Everything. <laughs> Begin to pray. And watch God change the state of your mind. Just pray. Now, you know and I know that what we pray about and how we pray is very connected to the way we think, right? The way we pray is going to have a major impact on how we think. And this is the next bit of instruction that he gives. Let me, 
Let me kind of get to it this way. He says, um, not only it's about how you pray, but it's how you think. I went to some effort this week, and I drew something for you, and I'm going to show it to you right now. Okay, we got the screen on me? So here we go. All right? I did that myself. <laughs> so what do you see? So how many of you would say, I see a black dot on a piece of paper? Probably a lot of you would say that. I wonder if there's anybody in the room who would say, Rick, I see mostly white. In fact, I probably see 99.9% white. Most of us tend to see the black dot. Did you ever hear the story about the professor who gets his kids all in class, students rather, all in class one day? And he says, there's going to be a surprise exam. I'll lay it on your desk. Don't turn it over until everybody's received their exam when I say you're ready. So when they turn it over, that's what they see, just a piece of paper with a black dot in the middle. Here's your exam. Write about what you see. And they all wrote. And he gathers them all. And he says to them, obviously I'm not grading you on this. But as he begins to read aloud, they all write about the dot. Proximity it is on the paper, uh, the size of the dot, everything they can about the dot. And finally, he says, everyone was focused on the dot. And that's what happens in our lives. We have a white piece of paper to observe and enjoy, but we always focus on the dark spots. Our life is a gift given to us by God with love and care. And we always have reasons to celebrate. Nature renewing itself every day, our friends around us, the job that provides our livelihood, the miracles we see every day. However, we insist on focusing only on the dark spot, the health issues that bother us, the lack of money, the complicated relationship with a family member, the disappointment with a friend. The dark spots are very small when compared to everything we have in our lives, but they're the ones that pollute our mind. Take your eyes away from the dark spots in your life and enjoy the blessings in each moment that life gives you. How many thoughts do you have a day? You know what I read recently? Again, about 50,000 is how many you have a day. That's a lot of thinking you do. Here's the question. Are you thinking the right thoughts? Are you thinking about the right things? And Paul gives us really good instruction. You want to talk about a person who expresses their joy, who rejoices in the Lord? It's about how you think. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's no room in that list for negative thinking. There's no room in that list for what if this happens, or what if that happens, or what if this falls apart, or what if this breaks, or what if this goes sour, what if this goes wrong. There's no room in the list for any of that. There's no room for impure sexually thinking. Now let me tell you something. If you're connected to the media, this one's going to be a fight for you. Most of us are. Because in the media we're confronted with what is untrue and unholy and unjust and impure and ugly and vicious. 
That's not the world God created. But we are going to struggle to live lives that are filled with rejoicing if we only focus on what man has made ugly. Right? You don't fill your mind with those things. You think about other things. What you think about and how you think is going to affect the way that you act and the way that you live. And that's why he says it's not only important to think about how you pray and how you think, but how you live your life. And here's the scripture. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I've learned to be very comfortable using a GPS. In fact, it's made me bad with directions, I think. I've gotten to where I don't try as hard with directions. I just grab my phone, push a button, and say, Siri, give me directions to, and name the place. And I just know it'll be the quickest, most direct way there. Many times, especially if I'm in a city, I'm not aware of fully. I'll just, I just pull out my phone. I use it constantly. You know what Paul is saying? The life that I have lived and the others have lived before you, we sometimes provide a good moral compass for you that you can follow. Last week, this was the message that I preached to you. Look at the people who've gone before you. Look at their moral choices. Look at the way they have lived their lives. And you're living in a world that says, oh, you know, the world's changing. The values of your parents may not have to be your values. The morals of your grandmother may not have to be your morals. Truth may be more relative than you would think. It's not the message I hear in the Scripture. Hold the course. Look at the people who have gone before you. They might be one of the most moral, most valid moral compasses you can find. I finished preaching last Sunday morning and a young college student walks up to me, a guy, and he says, Pastor, resonated with your sermon this morning. He said, you know, I spent a few years of my life trying to bend God's views to match my lifestyle. He said, but recently I've come to a different place in my life and I've decided to bend my lifestyle to match God's views. He said, I remember those days my parents would say, but are you a Christian? And he said, I knew in my heart what I was trying to do. I was just trying to bend God's, God's words to match the life that I wanted to live. But I wasn't getting anywhere. And I decided to change the way I was living I've begun to decide that the best way I can live my life is in a way that matches God's Word. You want to meet somebody really, really, really miserable? Somebody who claims to be following Jesus but pays no attention to what He calls us to live like. That's a miserable person. I think, I think the question that you come to the end of the sermon with is, is why? Why are you asking us to do this? To celebrate in the Lord, uh, 
to consider what robs us of our joy. And, 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 the, and the reasoning that he gives us is, I think, multidimensional. He talks about this peace after each paragraph. The peace of God will guard your heart, will stand guard over you. He talks about the God of peace after the second list of instructions is going to be with you. We went to see David and Bethany Bond's little baby girl, Elisa, last night. She's been held up in the hospital much longer than she should be. Had a had an infection. And she's going to be okay. And she's responding great to medication. And she's going to be fine. But they've been a little worried about her. I looked in that little crib last night and I looked at that little baby sleeping and I realized she is not worried she is at complete peace she's just at peace all of life is good if she gets hungry she makes some noise and somebody puts something in her mouth what a way to live (laughs) not concerned In in the mind of the Jew, peace was not just an absence of problems or troubles. It was balance in the whole life. This is the way to peace. But, But he gives another reason. And he says, because the Lord is near. It's kind of this idea that the clock is ticking. There's an urgency with the sharing of the gospel. We've got to be busy about what we've been called to do. When it comes to mission for Paul in the book of Philippians, there is the important thing. And the important thing is that we share Jesus with other people. And you can't let the trials of your life take your focus off the vision. And the vision is the important thing to share Jesus. And you understand, too, that the significance to the Christian witness, rather, is the correct moral attitude and conduct that we live in our lives. People are watching us. I mean, who do you want to hang around? Who do you want to be like? Can you imagine if somebody who attends our church ran off to work on Monday or to Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday with family or to some social setting and they said to a group of people who are not believers, you should become a Christian so you can be like me. And can you imagine the person saying, why would we want to ever be like you? You worry yourself sick. You're the most negative person I know. Your character is not very impressive either. I mean, for Paul and Philippians, the important thing is that we preach Christ. But you can't preach Christ without living this life. So celebrate the Lord. Live this life of joy. Pay attention to how you pray, how you think, how you live. And the peace of God will guard your hearts. It's about you. But the Lord is near. It's about them too. And you want to be a witness, right? And so I thought we would end this series by asking Josh and Beth to come up. They're here today. And uh, I got to be with them this week at a, at a pastor's meeting where Josh was singing. And so I thought... I thought of a good song that uh, 
I heard him sing. That would be a wonderful way to close out our time together in the book of Philippians. So we're going to pray together before we go. And this, these words that Josh will sing, becomes our prayer. Okay? So let's pray these words together. Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of ten thousand, make me a reflection of your light. Day stars shine down on me. Then let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Show me things I've never seen before. For Lord, I want to be your witness. You can take what's wrong and make it right. Oh, taste our shine down on me and let your love shine through me in the night Lord I see a world that's dying wounded by the master of deceit Oh, lead me, Lord, I'll fall.
this place today, this is my prayer for you and for me, that we would be a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.